Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win and USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek, is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Plus. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Wind, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. All right, Stephen. What would you have called there at the end of the Patriots-Seahawks game? I mean, I would have put in Jared Stidham. You got to put in your best quarterback. Go with the guy oh. that got you there. <laughs> no, you got you to put Hoyer in. Hoyer mania. Uh, that's right. Stidham's only is number three on the depth chart right now. So he's not even he's not even next in line. But no, I, I I mean, I have no problem with the call. It's been working all season long when they've gone to it. Like I saw a staff from PF, PFF that said this was the first time that a Patriots run with Cam Newton inside the five yard line didn't go for a first or a touchdown. So wow. I don't like if they if they would have scored nobody nobody would have been com- complaining about the call call but I would have liked to see them kind of put it in Cam's hands maybe a little more he doesn't really have control over that play like right. know, blocking like one, is good or it's right. not he has one path to go we are talking of course about the end of the Seahawks Patriots game today uh, the Sunday night game. Uh, best game of the year so far, I think. Certainly the best game of the day. The, the the Cowboys beating the Falcons was the weirdest game maybe in a long time, but I'm not sure it was a good football game. Patriots-Seahawks was a wonderful game. Patriots got to uh, the goal line. I, I don't know what yard. They were on the two-yard line maybe for the final play of the game and handed you – know, they they – let Cam Newton try to get the ball in the end zone and the Seahawks just made a play. Seahawks come away with a 35-30 win in a game that we will talk about more in depth. Uh, this is The Counter. I'm Chris Corman. I'm joined by Steven Ruiz. We cover the NFL for for the win, ftw.usatoday.com. Uh, yeah, week two, man. It was... It felt a little bit more like I expected week one to be in that it was... Uh, there was some sloppy play, and then there were, unfortunately, just a slew of very significant injuries. Um, just a reminder of how brutal fo- football can be. Um, Henry McKenna, who writes for us and covers the Patriots, uh, he did a post earlier today, and this might not even this might not even cover everyone because, he, like I said, he wrote it in in the middle of the one o'clock games. Uh, but the 49ers lost Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback, their best defensive player, Nick Bosa, 
running back Raheem Mostert, who opened the game with a score in which he ran 23.1 miles per hour on his way to the end zone, the fastest in two years, at least Carolina Panthers lost Christian McCaffrey. He claims he's fine. Who knows? I mean, all these players will need to be evaluated. There's very little. I don't know that any of them have definitively come out. There's a fear that Bosa has a torn ACL. Uh, The New York Giants lost Saquon Barkley. There's fear that he has an ACL, although on the play, it looked like he hurt his elbow. (laughs) It was, uh, I mean, that's, that's just the sort of day it was. Green Bay Packers lost Devontae Adams. Chargers quarterback Tyrod Taylor was had a rib injury during the week and then suddenly in warm-up somehow came down with chest pain and was sent to the hospital, leaving Justin Herbert to start. We'll talk about that. He, the rookie, made his debut. Denver Broncos quarterback Drew Locke got hurt, meaning he had to leave the game. And then rookie wide receiver Jerry Judy got hurt. Los Angeles Rams rookie running back Cam Akers. Colts lost Paris Campbell, who's hurt a lot. Safety Malik Hooker. Rocky Sin, another defensive back, went to the hospital prior to the game with a stomach illness. The Vikings lost Anthony Barr. The Falcons lost right tackle Caleb McGarry. I mean, it was just, I, I mean, I feel like we're missing. Uh, Brashad Perryman got hurt. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was just a, a day where so many guys got hurt. I mean, it feels like it's just sort of, you know, do you make anything of this or is this just football being football? I think it's just football being football. And a lot of these injuries, I don't think could even be chalked up to no preseason because you would expect like soft tissue injuries. And a lot of these mm-hmm. were like, I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, but like a torn ACL, I don't know if that has to do with them, like not pushing themselves enough. I, I would feel like it's not. Yeah. I, I don't, the, the, we should mention that the 49ers were playing the jets at MetLife stadium in New York uh, complained about the turf and they sort of blamed some, uh, you know, I think they were blaming some of the injuries on, on the state of the turf and they're asking the NFL to intervene because they have to play there again next week to, to play the giants. And what do they want the NFL to do between now <laughs> and next Sunday? Just like give them a new turf at the stadium. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, the NFL office is nearby. I have a bunch of people who can you know, just install some new field turf. It'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I, we are going to have a slew of, of injury news tomorrow and the giants losing Saquon would obviously be huge. The 49ers losing Bosa, I, you know, that's Saquon is probably more of a fantasy football story in some right. ways. The Giants were completely 100%. Uh, and the it's Giants. terrible for it's terrible for Saquon Barkley cuz running backs do not have a long window. Barkley is an extreme talent and ACL injury is tough to come in. He's the way he plays. Uh I can't tell you how many times I watched Saquon Barkley and I was like he would cut and I'm like I think he probably just ripped his ACL cuz human right. bodies should not do what his body just did. And this play it didn't didn't look that you know that remarkable, but uh, you never know. Uh, the Broncos losing Drew Locke would be oh I don't know. We'll talk about that. I guess we'll we'll figure out how big of a loss that is in in your opinion. The Panthers without McCaffrey if he's out for any period of time again that's a, a full rebuild. But they've paid McCaffrey a ton of money and he's really the face of the franchise in a lot of ways. 
so we will dig in on these as we go through individual games. That's our plan for today is just to kind of buzz through. You know, we're still learning about the league. It's still early. It still feels like every game has some meaning and is teaching us something about this season, especially since, as you noted, we did not have the exhibition games to form some of those uh, sort of assumptions that you go into the year. We certainly previewed it and, and had some thoughts and it, you know, it hasn't deviated too much. You know, the teams we thought were going to be very good have been pretty good. Although the chiefs today struggled to beat the chargers, uh, but the Ravens were really, really good again. Um, Seattle and new England are certainly look like they're going to be in it uh, in the playoffs and, and will, you know, have the chance to, to make deep runs. So we're just going to dig in on, on game by game. And let's start with that uh, Patriots Seahawks game. I mean, these two teams have played a number of just completely brilliant games of the last, I don't know, decade, maybe even longer than that. And obviously it was talked about a lot on the broadcast, the fact that Belichick replaced Carroll and the whole, the, the, the controversy that led to Belichick ending up in New England and the astounding run that he's had there. Uh, and there was a lot this uh, coming into this week about Belichick talking about Russ Wilson, Russell Wilson being the best player he's seen in the league. And man, did Russell Wilson live up to it. But Cam Newton was also really, 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 really good. Uh, you know, it was... You watch that game tonight and you think about Cam Newton getting paid almost nothing by NFL standards to play quarterback. And it's it's mind boggling, man. I mean, I just I, I cannot believe. I mean, we knew we knew it was going to play out that way all summer. Nobody was going to sign him. The Patriots waited him out and gave him nothing. But like why? Uh, Cam Newton's really good. He's really good at football. And he was good at football the last time we saw him <laughs> right, play. Right. Like, it's there was, not like this is a surprise. It was 2018. It was a year and a half ago, and when, at what point do we start adding Cam Newton's name to the to like the meme about the Bears with Mahomes and Watson? Right. I feel like at this point, like the Bears are just by the end of the season, I, who's going to even be their quarterback? Because apparently Trubisky played horribly again. I, I didn't watch the game, but he threw two interceptions. I, I'm not watching that game this week. Last week I watched <laughs> every game, but I'm I refuse to watch Bears Giants. Especially when I know that Saquon Barkley's not going to be in the game for most of it. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson tonight threw two deep passes that <laughs> I just wanted to fall out of my chair. Uh, I mean, he was just utterly brilliant on on those throws. Uh, he the had Patriots a, had no answer for for them. Like no, they started out playing a lot of zone, right, and then. I think they played more man in the second half. That's what it just looked like. I couldn't tell, obviously, from the broadcast angle, but he apparently cooked them in zone too, or in man too. Like that's when Tyler Lockett was really going off. He, it seemed like Tyler Lockett caught like a dozen shallow crosses. Yeah, uh, they. We have made a lot. We've made fun of Brian Schottenheimer a lot, uh, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator, and I think he got the better. Of the Patriots tonight, of oh, Bill sure. Belichick. Uh, that's you know that feels like a strange thing to say, but they had a very strong game. I don't know 
I, I don't have the the monitor at home, like the meter. I don't know if if Russ was being allowed to cook or not. That's that's <laughs> for Seahawks fans to decide. I'm not. That's that's not for me to say. But they certainly seem to be putting him in more advantageous situations, and he was just so good. Uh, let me let me look at his completion percentage over expectation was 17.1. He completed 84% <laughs> of his passes. And like I said, he was not dinking and dunking. I mean, he was all over the field. The one throw was to Metcalf uh, who ran by Gilmore and uh, Wilson just dropped it into his hands. I mean, it was, that was the best throw. Like the David right. Moore catch. I feel like the catch was almost yeah. overshadowed the throw on the, the other one, but the right. DK Metcalf throw was that. Yeah. That was as good as the, the Patrick Mahomes throw Tyree kill in the earlier games. Like he throws the best deep ball in the sport, right? Just how high he throws it up. And like, he just gives it, his, he's the best, like DK Metcalf is a perfect receiver for him. And I thought that when they drafted him, that like DK Metcalf was my number one receiver in, in that draft, but I didn't expect him to be this good this early. And it's because Russ, like Russ makes him so much better. I don't know if you get the most out of him with right. any other quarterback, like even Mahomes, I don't know if you get the most out of him. Right, right. Eagles fans were up in arms all day because Metcalf, uh, they could have picked Metcalf and they picked Arcega Whiteside, JJ Arcega Whiteside instead, who has not been good at all. But the question is whether Carson Wentz takes advantage of him in the same way. And Wentz might, I mean, he's, he's a decent deep ball thrower too, but Metcalf certainly landed in a place that made sense for him and has found success because of that. Um, you were, you were talking about Wilson uh, against new England's man coverage, 11 for 14, 195 yards, 13.9 yards per attempt, five TDs and no interceptions. And part of that was, the, I will say that the secondary did not play good, but mm-hmm. part of that was they weren't getting any pressure on him. And like the pressure they got on him, he was able to get outside the pocket. They, that was one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen. And it's not yeah. just based on them giving up those points. It's like they were tackling horribly. They, their run fits weren't good. They were like, every, even when they got a clean tack, like not a clean tackle, but even when the first guy brought the, the running back down, I felt like the running back was still falling forward for an extra couple of yards. Their contain on Russell Wilson was horrible. He was getting outside of the pocket whenever he wanted. Right. There seemed like, like there was that- a lot of miscommunication in the secondary too. Right. I feel like last week we said, man, the Patriots, maybe they were going to be bad. They lost a bunch of guys in free agency, then a bunch opted out on defense. And are they going to be able to, you know, we've, we've written extensively about how complicated the defense is and are they going to be able to do it? And against the Dolphins, who are the Dolphins, they looked <laughs> pretty good. And today it, they got, I mean, there are some plays where they just got flat out exposed where they just didn't cover. They, they just failed to cover guys. Um, you know, one of the touchdown throws, the uh, Seahawks had a had a wide receiver in the backfield, and that was enough to completely snooker the the defense, and they just failed to cover. I was that the Lockett TD in or yeah, I remember? And um, honestly, I don't I don't know how well the secondary or the defense played last week. If you take away the turnover, like they got the turnovers, right. but besides that, I feel like Fitzpatrick was moving the ball just fine. Uh. He actually, yeah, he had a 7.5 uh, CPOE 
last week. So he he seemed to be doing just fine. If he didn't turn the ball over, I think that game would we would have looked at the Patriots defense a little more skeptically last week. But now like Stephon Gilmore looked bad and he wasn't that good last week either. I I don't know if it was Parker or Preston Will, uh, Williams who beat him a couple times, but DK right. Metcalf just ate him up. Like it didn't even it wasn't even close. Yeah. Uh, the the Patriots, uh, there are those concerns on defense, which we sort of knew about. And on offense, as good as Newton was, and he was really good, uh, threw for almost 400 yards. Um, he once again led the team in rushing, 11 carries this time for 47 yards, two TDs, pretty much unstoppable in short yardage other than that last play. But there are serious concerns about his supporting cast. Uh, you know, we, I think we went into the year thinking, okay, is Nikhil Harry or Demir bird going to be that guy? And the numbers here don't look too bad. Uh, Julian Edelman was by far the, the, his number one target. Uh, well, actually Harry had more targets, but Edelman ended up catching eight for 179 yards. Whereas Harry caught eight for 72 and Demir bird caught six for 72. But uh, you know, it just felt like Newton, created a lot of that and those guys were not doing a ton to help and then the run game be outside newton sony sony michelle looks i mean he's just got nothing going on right now and then rex burkhead was asked to try to pick up some of the load and he's just not in every down back uh how concerned are you about this offense moving forward it's it feels like man cam has been wonderful but he does not have much help yeah, it's like Cam is back in Carolina, it's, right. except he has a better coaching staff. I'm more concerned about the defense after tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Cam's going to be able to make it work, and Josh McDaniels is going to be able to make it work. If, like, replace Cam with even Tom Brady in that game, and I think it's a blowout. I don't even know if New England hmm. gets the 20 points. Wow. Because the receivers are, were not getting open. Like he, Cam had to buy a lot of time in the pocket. He had to move around in the pocket to get, especially in the second half. I felt like he was moving a lot, and that was like opening up the defense yeah. on the back end. And I, re, I really put the slow. It was a slowish start for the offense, and I put that on the play calling. I thought the play calling they should have opened it up earlier, yeah, and let Cam throw the ball. Like let Russ cook. They should have let Cam cook. I honestly like. They had nothing going on the ground unless mm-hmm. it was Cam Newton running. That yeah. whole that their whole offense was was Cam Newton making plays in the passing game. Yep. Uh, so Seattle defensively, Jamal Adams was just a monster, right? I mean, he was just all over the place. He got a kudos after the game because he had ten tackles, a sack, <laughs> uh, two QB hits. He was just all over the place, right? He was just dominating. Yeah, but he was getting picked on in coverage. He <laughs> gave up 156 yards, and he got beat deep by Julian Edelman. That's even worse than the stat. Like you get beat by Julian Edelman deep. Dude, wasn't he targeted six times and gave up six catches? Right, and he gave up, and he missed a sack on Newton on a third down. That would have ended a drive. I think they ended up kicking a field goal. So that's another right. bad play. And, right, and he was talking though. He never stopped talking, even though he was giving up all that. Yeah, so the Jamal Adams experiment was is maybe still a work in progress. Uh, how how good? Let's talk Seattle. I mean, how 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 do you feel about this team right now? Two and zero appear to be in the most the deepest, most difficult 
division in football, I think, probably at this point. Um, so how do you feel about this team? Uh, that's a tough because I feel like Russell Wilson like tends to go on these streaks where he just plays perfect football for like three, mm-hmm. four, five games in a row. We've seen it throughout his career. And I, mm-hmm. He started like this last year, too. Right. So I don't know what happens when he cools off because he's eventually going to cool off. He's not going to be throwing more touchdowns than he has incompletions for the whole season. And this defense looks rough. Like they can't get pressure when they're not blitzing. And when you blitz, that leaves you vulnerable. Uh, it leaves you – oh, my God, I can't even say vulnerable. It's too late <laughs> at night. It leaves you vulnerable on the back end. And, like, what do you – like, I feel like they're, they lost uh, – they lost Marquise Blair. I don't know what that injury is. But the secondary depth is a concern to me. After – like, if they lose another guy in the secondary, this pass defense I think is just going to fall apart if they're not getting pressure on the quarterback and you have to blitz Jamal Adams 15 times a game. Right. So I'm worried about the defense first and foremost, but yeah, they're going to need Russell to get hot. Like if he gets hot, I think they're going to make the playoffs. And if he gets hot in the playoffs and they're capable, I think beating anybody. Cause when he, we saw what happens when he gets hot tonight, he could throw five touchdowns and only throw like four incompletions. Right. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, we, uh, like I said, this game was just a, a really well played well-coached football game. Both teams, as we said, are working out some kinks. It's week two. That's to be expected. The Cowboys-Falcons game, (laughs) on the other hand, was an absolute mess. I I don't even really know how to to dig in on this game. I, I will tell you that Andrew Joseph, one of our writers who's originally from Atlanta and is a long-suffering Falcons fan and just sort of like, yeah, they're winning, but they're going to lose. They're winning, but they're going to lose. Don't worry, guys. The Cowboys the Cowboys are going to come back. I know it. And at one point I said like, hey, I think you might be underestimating how bad Mike McCarthy is because they made some bad decision. And then I was away for a little bit and I came back and saw what had happened in this game. And I just – I. I could not believe that it had gone this way. Uh, have you ever seen a Falcons game before? I, I mean, I, I don't just, think, I feel like you don't have to be a Falcons fan to know. Like I tweeted out when they were, I think they were down by like 20 points. I was like, the Cowboys are, there's an 80% chance, chance the Cowboys are still winning this game. Cause this is what the Falcons do. They break <sighs> their fans heart. They find new ways to do it every week. And this was, I think this was, was the first time that a team lost. I forget what the, threshold was like 39 points and not turning the ball over teams had been 44 no 440 and zero (laughs) and now they are 440 and one and it's because of the falcons so this game ends 40 to 39 after the cowboys manage a a very interesting i mean you have to watch this this uh onside kick from greg zerline who like it was like a pool shot or something, right? Like the, he like sort of like there was no T. The yeah, there's no T. He like squibbed the ball on the ground and then it spun, and then the the Falcons instead of jumping on it, I think assumed that it was not going to go ten yards, and then it went ten yards and the Cowboys jumped on it. It like barely made it over the line, and Zerline later kicked the game winning field goal. Uh, this was just an epic collapse by. 
Atlanta. I don't know how or why Dan Quinn continues, right? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, it just feels like I, no matter how much you like Dan Quinn and, and think he might be a good coach, it's I, like you said, I mean, you gotta, the, heart, the hearts are broken. This Where's the evidence for him being a good coach? Is my yeah. question. Where's the evidence for him being a good defensive coach? Because that was – that's the reason I still think he has a job is because the defense played so well at the end of last year. Right. And as we covered in the preview episodes, like the reason, most of the reason why they played well is because they got, had an easier schedule and they started off with two of the hardest quarterbacks to play in the league. And they have just been eviscerated. And you had Raheem Morris last week saying like, oh, we weren't ready to stop Russell Wilson, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like one or two, depending on your rankings. And then this week, I mean, they don't have an excuse. Is he going to say, well, we were trying to stop Zeke and forgot to cover uh, or try to defend Dak Prescott? Zeke did have a bad game, though. But, it, oh, my God, it's just incompetence versus incompetence. And, and the Cowboys managed to eat the win out in spite right. of Mike McCarthy, really. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you will take a deeper look at that once the all hopefully the all 22 comes out in a more reasonable time and we can dig in like we usually do during the week and you can break it, did it down. come out early for Thursday night football. Okay. We, didn't get, I, we didn't get the film last week for Thursday night football, the opener until thir- the next Thursday or no, right. it might have been Wednesday. It's like midnight at, on Wednesday, but we got it Friday afternoon this week. So uh, hopes are high. Yeah, that is that is no good. But we did see a little bit. Uh, the Cowboys obviously were playing catch up and were winging the ball all over the place because they had to. So it doesn't tell us a ton about how Mike McCarthy is going to run things. Prescott was what we expect out of Prescott. It, 34 for 47, 450 yards. Both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper had six receptions for Cooper at 100, CeeDee Lamb at 106. So you got a feel for what this offense could look like, but it sounds like you are not very convinced that, that McCarthy is, is taking that leap. Cause that's something we talked about la- after the last show is McCarthy's now into a season. He talked all off season about, okay, I'm, I know that I have to make adjustments. And then he trotted out the same old tired Mike McCarthy stuff in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like this week, maybe you're thinking again off just what we saw today and what we were able to observe in a limited viewing that he has not made many adjustments or, or it's hard to tell just because of how this game went. It was such a bizarre bizarre way that for a football game to unfold yeah i was i was more talking about his game management in this one okay like the the two fake punts in his own territory like if you're gonna go for it on fourth down and you have dak prescott like put the ball in his hands don't put it in the hands of some special teamer who's never has the ball in his hands that i had a problem with that the end of game situation i thought playing for the field goal at the end. And it was a long field goal too. It was like a 40 something yard field goal instead of, I think they still had 30 seconds left and they were doing whatever they wanted against the Falcons defense. I think you have to, you know, either go for a touchdown or at least make it. So it's a chip shot. So those two things are really what I'm talking about. I I don't know. I'm assuming the offense did well. They scored 40 points, but the Falcons defense has been the worst defense in the league so far. So I, I, I'm not ready to 
you know, criticize him for that. But apparently they did call more play action this this week. So that's an improvement. Right. Uh, one team we thought obviously was going to be great uh, this year and was great last week. Kansas City Chiefs defending champions and just a shocking uh turn of events a little bit this week. The Chiefs mm-hmm. did end up beating the Chargers 23-20. It came down. It actually went to overtime. And uh, Harrison Butker had to – I think he kicked it three times. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and because of there was like a penalty and then or a stoppage, and then they tried to freeze him. And uh, so he, he hit a 58-yard field goal to win the game. And Patrick Mahomes did pull some magic out late in this game. But the story is that – the Chiefs once again struggled with a good pass rush, uh, a pass rush that, as you pointed out, as we were planning, this is very hard to replicate. It's not like many teams can do this, but it it did really flummox the Chiefs early. And Justin Herbert, as we mentioned, was pressed in to service uh, in this game uh, because Tyra Taylor – I, I don't know that it's been explained how he injured his chest in warmups, but something happened. And Herbert, I guess, told reporters that he learned seconds before the game that he was going to be starting. Mm-hmm. And he looked pretty good, man. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's a extremely small sample size, but 22 for 33, 311 yards, 9.4. Yards per reception. I mean, he's he, was, he did look good. He looked. Yeah. I mean, there were still the same issues that we saw on his college tape, but okay, there weren't the. I don't know. It wasn't as prevalent. Like he took a couple bad sacks. He missed some easy throws where he was air airmailing it, and he threw a pretty bad interception. But yeah, he he made a he made a couple throws that not a lot of quarterbacks in the league can make, and that's why you draft them where the Chargers drafted them. I'm just surprised that he wasn't playing earlier. Like, if he looks this competent, he should be in. Like, even if he's not as good as Tyrod Taylor at this point in his development, he should be in there. He's only going to get better by playing. I don't right. understand. And I don't understand Anthony Lynn after the game saying that Tyrod's the starter. Maybe it's just the thing where he didn't want to, you know, tell Tyrod he was benched while he was in the hospital before he gave him a chance to do it, like, in private. Which right. I think would be a pretty good move on his part. Hopefully that's yeah. the case because starting Herbert is the right move. Right. What What did you make of the Chiefs? I mean, uh, you know, obviously we were talking in the Super Bowl last year. The it sort of it felt a little bit the same. The Chiefs were struggling early, and then as the Forty ers pass rush, the ferocity of it sort of dialed down as the game went on. Players got tired, and that's when Mahomes stepped up, and Mahomes in that game sort of had to get creative and make plays happen. And same thing with this game. He actually ran six times for 54 yards. I mean, he's certainly capable of doing that. It's not a, a, a key part of his game, but he, right. he sort of took it into his own hands a little bit and, and made it happen. So what did you, what did you notice about this game uh, that defensively, what are defensive coordinators going to uh, you know, is this is something unlocked now for how to slow the Chiefs, or is this just something that a few teams in the league can maybe replicate? Yeah, I think that's it. It's yeah. only yeah, only a few teams can do do this. I, Bad news, defensive coordinators, right? Draft <laughs> Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, <laughs> and 
Jerry Tillery was good. He's second-year player. I think he was a first-round pick last year, a player I really liked coming out of the uh, draft, but he didn't have a good rookie year. But he's flashed so far early this year, so they have another pass rusher on there. They had mm-hmm. Limbaugh Joseph, who's always a good uh, nose tackle. So, yeah, the plan. there's a blueprint for slowing down this offense, but nobody's going to be able to replicate it outside of, like, I'm trying to think of teams that could do it. The Steelers are definitely one of them. Right. The 49ers, well, not Nick Bosa. Yeah, yeah. Nick Bosa comes back. And D Ford missed today's game, and he's always been a guy that's struggled to stay healthy. So that defensive line might be a weakness going forward. Uh, I can't even think of another team. Like, that's it. That's the list. Like, it's those two teams. So, and I, I think Mahomes was just off. So you had to combine all that and. I don't think it's good. And he still averaged uh, 0.15 EPA per play. So it's not like he was bad. He was right. still like very good. Like just, that's, that's enough for right. him to be a top 10 quarterback. Right. He just wasn't as good as we've been accustomed to. Uh, Kansas City's rushing game also didn't get going. We were talking last week that if they are really a capable running team this year, that adds even more of a dimension. Clyde Edwards, Lair, the rookie running back, ran 10 times for 38 yards. It didn't seem like Andy Reid had an answer for the Chargers' pressure because that's not a surprise. Like they, We knew going in that that's the Chargers' strength on defense and that's what they were yeah. going to do. Uh, but it didn't seem like Kansas City figured it out either. No, yeah. I think the, the problem with Kansas City's run game, when it is bad, I think it's dependent on how, much, how many players the defense is putting in the box because they do run a lot of RPOs, so – if you load the box, you're not going to get a lot of carries. And there weren't a lot of carries in this game. I think it was only 16. And one of them was to – or two of them were to receivers. So they weren't running the ball a lot. And I would assume it's because the Chargers were playing a lot of single high coverages because that's what Gus Bradley does. And they were put packing the box. They had eight guys in the box at all times. So I'm not overly concerned with the running game's ineffectiveness. I'm concerned that the Chiefs weren't able to exploit – the Chargers playing single high coverages. But like like I said, that was the result of Bosa and Ingram just being in Mahomes' lap after like one or two seconds. He really didn't have time to stand back there and throw the ball deep. And that's that's really when the, the Chiefs offense gets rolling. And it, it didn't seem like their guys were doing a lot after the catch, which is is rare for that offense. And if you could stop all that, then you could you have a chance at slowing down the Chiefs, but the Chargers just did it and still lost. The 49ers did it and they still lost. Right. Uh, one quarterback that I don't think was under much pressure was Jared Goff, of the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams beat the Eagles 37-19, are off to a 2-0 start and looking very much like they did uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, this. they look really good. And part of that is the offensive line just looking better and Goff being you know, once again, back to being a guy who's sort of doing what McVay is giving him. And I think that you might be something of a believer in this team right now. How are you feeling? We talked about the the NFC West being maybe the deepest. I mean, I think certainly the deepest division right now. Uh, so how do you feel about the Rams? Yeah, I think this is one of the best teams in the NFC. I've seen enough after two weeks to declare mm. it. The offense is back to what it was what it was in 2018. The defense, I actually think, is better than it was last year, and it was still pretty good last year. Like, they hired 
a defensive coordinator who was coaching at John Carroll College in, in Ohio three years ago. His name is Brandon Staley. But he's it's a, from, it's a football factory, though, man. John Carroll. It is. That's where uh, Josh McDaniels is from. McDaniels, yep. Uh, but yeah, he's he's uh, he coached under Vic Fangio, and I watched the film of the Cowboys game last night because I have nothing better to do on a Saturday night. But <laughs> it looked very Vic Fangio esque, and what that means is they're going to play two high coverages. That's what they've been doing the last two weeks, and that's why you're not seeing any big plays downfield. The Cowboys had barely any explosive plays. The Eagles didn't throw the ball downfield all that much. And they're going to be – those safeties are going to be lurking kind of like at the 10 to 15-yard area just looking for crossers and looking to take their heads off. And you saw that in the game against the Eagles. You saw it against the Cowboys. Like they're there to cut off those crossers and lay big hits on players. And like I think they sacrificed something in the run game. But I, they're they're not as talented as those Bears teams were under Fangio, and I don't think they're going to be as dominant. But I do think they're going to be able to limit the big plays. And if you do that in the NFL, I think that's one of the keys to playing solid defense. And if the offense is like rolling like it is now, like Jared Goff, fifty three percent of his passes were play action passes today, and he went twelve of fifteen, right, and two touchdowns, and eighty percent completion percentage. Like, if they're rolling like that, and I think they're going to continue to because their running game has been fine and their offensive line has been good, then I don't. This is a top five team in the NFC. I think they have a chance to make the NFC title game, make the Super Bowl. It seems like Sean McVay is back to 2018 Sean McVay when we all thought he was a genius. Right. He's figured it out. Uh, the original John Carroll. Uh, genius coach in the NFL, by the way, was uh, Don Shula. So it oh. does have does really have quite the. I think the stadium's name quite the heritage. Oh, is it? Yeah, we should let's go. Once we're allowed to go <laughs> places Carroll. again, we're going to John Carroll. We're just we're going off to Ohio, man. The counter. Uh, what about the Eagles? The Eagles, zero and two. Carson Wentz has looked. Very bad. People in Philadelphia are ready to put Peterson and Wentz on a raft out in the ocean, I think. Uh, (laughs) Wentz was so bad today. I was genuinely shocked how bad he was. Like, it wasn't even like, like, it wasn't bad, like, second half last week bad, where it's, like, obvious that he was bad. It was just, like, little, like, he's off on all these throws. He was holding, staring down receivers. He was holding the ball. It was just, a bad performance for him all around. I thought he was the worst player on the Eagles offense today, to be honest. Wow. It, was, it was not good. I don't know. Maybe I need to rewatch the game, but I was watching live and that's the sense I got. He was really bad. It's like Carson Wentz, either he's making an unbelievable play or he's just making a play, like a play that you'd expect out of Josh Allen last year. Josh Allen's been a lot better this year, but he looks like like a dumb quarterback on other plays. It just doesn't make any sense because he is a smart guy. He's a smart quarterback. You can tell when you watch a play. So I don't get it. Yeah, uh, as we are about as we will discuss, the NFC East is just a complete tire fire. It's just a mess of a division. So who knows how it'll go? But the Eagles, it's not promising so far. Forty uh, ers beat the Jets easily today, but as we discussed, had a are now dealing with injuries. We don't know what the status of that is. You know, we'll, we'll find out more going forward. 
49ers, the final score was 31-13. The Jets, I, I don't – I mean, Adam Gase should also like. Why? Why is Adam? I don't know. Why are we still doing this? Why? Why is Adam Gase still trying? There's no need to worry about the 49ers. They have. They can lean heavily on Jordan Reed now, who is famously healthy all the time. God, I cannot believe that. I mean, Jordan Reed, he, he hit two TDs, right? He's back. Good for good for him being I back. Know, in the I was league like, and... that's. A, I don't think he should be playing football anymore, but I'm right. happy to see him having success. Man, it's it's almost like it's morally conflicting to cover football. Mm, yes. It's almost that way. Uh, if Garoppolo – Garoppolo was good before he went out with an injury, 14 for 16, 131. Again, like, you know, the, 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 the strings were being pulled by Shanahan. Uh, and then Nick Mullins was 8 for 11. So I'm not sure he didn't throw the ball as far downfield. But um, – I, how much of a difference would it make if if Garoppolo's out? Uh, you know, obviously Bosa is probably the bigger issue here. But what is you, you know how, how much would this matter? Could San Francisco get by with Mullins? Uh, I don't think so because I don't think Nick Mullins. I think you have to change the offense a bit because he doesn't have an arm like Jimmy G, and he can't make mm-hmm. all the throws Jimmy G can. Like you have to really get down to the bare bones of the offense when you have Nick Mullins. And I think we saw that when he had to play two years ago when Jimmy G got hurt. Like the offense wasn't quite the same, especially in the passing game, as it was last year. So I think that limits Kyle Shanahan's genius, and they're going to need it with these injuries. If if Nick Bosa is out for the year and D. Ford struggles to stay healthy all year, I don't even think that's, that's a special defense. I think it's just an average defense at best. Right. Uh, well, you know, it's not like there are just any unemployed quarterbacks who took the Niners to a Super Bowl before. The <laughs> nope, so, none of those. Uh, it's, it's, You're talking about Steve Young, right? Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> he would do Speaking of someone who should not get more concussions. <laughs> right. He's, so, the, he's the only one healthier than uh, Jordan Reed. <laughs> <laughs> probably do. Um, yeah, I. it feels like the 49ers season right now is we're just waiting to hear injury reports see how how that goes um you know that's life in the nfl uh the cardinals meanwhile man kyler murray is taking that exact leap that uh, it was a very popular thing to predict uh, so it's not like it's not like we were on the vanguard here but he's we were with quick though that's that's true. You you have you've been touting Cliff. You were you were a big fan of Cliff when everyone else was saying why did this guy get fired and then hired in a better league. Uh we're seeing why obviously. But Kyler Murray was really good today uh as the Cardinals beat the football team from Washington DC 30 to 15. Uh you know, uh, Murray just seems like he's uh, it seems like he's just scratching. I mean, he's just starting to figure this out, and he already looks so, so good. Uh, he ran the ball eight times for 67 yards, uh, 26 for 38, 286 yards passing. I'm just really starting to get it, and I think Cliff's starting to get how to call an NFL game. What's the ceiling for this team, you think? Uh, it's still limited by that defense. But I, I think they can. I think they're good enough to finish third in the NFC West. Before you not like that's <laughs> pretty good. The NFC pretty West good. is just a 
battlefield right now. I just feel right. if they were in the NFC East, I think they'd be the clear favorites, right? But, no question. No question. Yeah, it, I, I I can't see them making the playoffs as much as I want them to make the playoffs. I guess there's three wild card spots now. So technically, like you could have a situation right. where every team in a division makes it. And the NFC West has the best chance of doing that. So maybe it happens. If the NFC East is just terrible. And I mean, the, the NFC North doesn't look much better. Right. And there's there's one team clearly separating itself from the others. Uh, that is an interesting point. I, I, I Man, what if all three wildcard teams did come from? And like, what if the Bucks stink? Like Tom Brady hasn't looked great. I know right. he had better stats today, but we'll get into that later. But I think it's possible. But yeah, the defense is just not very good. And Isaiah Simmons is barely playing right now, which I think is just a mistake. Like you think you, you think they should play him and, and just force him to acclimate? Yeah, because you, like you're basically punting on a top ten pick if you don't play him. The only way he's going to get better is if he plays. And yeah. he looked. I wrote a post about this last week, late last week. Like I was off on Friday, and I was watching the film, and it. Like, <laughs> I worked for free. I wrote the post for free. <laughs> but Kyle Shanahan was just toying with it. Like it was, it was bad. It was bad. He couldn't cover George Kittle, which isn't a surprise. But he couldn't right. cover Kyle Uzcheck either. Like he tried to cover Kyle Uzcheck, and it was like got beat by like five yards on like a five yard route. And he was just not – like, he was getting pushed around in the run game, which isn't a surprise at all. Like, Clemson didn't play him in the, the box because of that. And now the, you, Card- the Cardinals are trying to make it happen, which doesn't make any sense. Do you think Juszczyk was just like, hey, spell my name right before the play? And then he was – because <laughs> that that's nice. how I cripple you. Like, if I want you to be – if I just want, like, quiet for 45 minutes, I just ask you to spell Juszczyk and then you my, fail. My favorite thing is in Google Docs, I try to spell Juszczyk. <laughs> And, like, sometimes it will, like, the red line at the bottom won't show up. And I'm like, whoa, I got it right. And then I'll, like, <laughs> right-click and, like, hit uh, explore just to make sure. And then it'll come up and it'll, I'm, just like, way off. So, like, Google Docs is like, we're not even going to help you. You're that <laughs> you far off. You, you spelled the name of some, like, Polish dinner or something. <laughs> yeah, right. You just, like, didn't even realize. Uh, the NFC East, as we said, is is messy. It's, it's gross. Uh, the Chicago Bears... Beat the New York Giants seventeen to thirteen to fall. Uh, so the Giants are zero and two. The Bears are two and zero, but have not looked particularly impressive. No. You mentioned that Mitch Trubisky in this game he was he threw two interceptions. He was sacked four times. Uh, I I don't. I mean, let's just spend like twenty seven more seconds talking about this game and then find a way to move on to something else. But. Give, give me your uh, analysis of this one. I mean, none of these teams are going to matter in the long run, so who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, losing Saquon is a blow for all of us just because he's one of the more exciting players in the league. Right. Uh, I think David Montgomery, who had a really good game for the Bears, also got hurt at one point. I think I remember seeing him being carted off. Uh, so that would be, that would make for a less fun league as well. But yeah, not. Not a whole lot going. I mean, the Bears are very close to being 0-2 with losses to the Lions and Giants. They're like one or two bounces away from being 0-2 right now. So, like, I don't even think Bears fans are excited about this 2-0 right now. Yeah, uh, Bears fans are pretty jaded. (laughs) Uh, As they are not quite as jaded as Falcons fans, but they're certainly sort of no 
where they stand. Uh, the Packers, meanwhile, are the team that is emerging from that division and beat the the, <laughs> the poor, poor Lions today, 42-21. to 21. Uh, Russell Wilson was your preseason prediction for the MVP, and I think he's probably still very, very near the top of your list, but Aaron Rodgers seems to be back, certainly toward his old form. Uh, Aaron Jones had a, a, a dominant game today for Green Bay as well. Uh, how good can this Green Bay Packers team be? I still don't know about that defense. That's my one concern. Like be, behind Jair Alexander, the cornerback group is shaky. The run defense has been shaky the last couple of years, or going back to last year. So there's a team that could be exploited in certain ways. And I think they will be exploited by smarter offensive staffs. I don't think they've seen that yet. I, the Vikings put some points up on them. The Lions, I don't even know what's going on with their coaching staff. So I still want to see them play a, a better team. And, and we're going to get it next week. I think they – is it next week they play the Saints? So we're going to see them next week. Ask me in a week and I'll tell you what I feel about the Packers. I don't think we could tell anything from this except for the fact that Aaron Rodgers is back. And it's going to be a much funner, fun, funner season if he is back. And, like, a lot of these quarterbacks seem to be back. Like, Jared Goff is playing good again. Cam Newton right. Is, right. is back. Tom Brady is – even if he's not, you know, Tom Brady, he still has these weapons. It's probably going to look good. Like, it's going to be a better season because we have all these quarterbacks playing well. Right. Yeah, that is the Sunday night game next week is uh, Packers-Saints. Already. We also get Chiefs-Ravens next week, which is fun, amazing. Fun one to look forward to. Detroit Lions, uh, <clears throat> I mean, Patricia, who who gets it? Who who gets fired first, Patricia Quinn or Gase? I mean, they should all get fired at the same time. Like, it should just be a conference call. <laughs> they all get fired. Like, Roger Goodell does it. The owners are like, we're not even going to do it. Like, you can do it. But I, how how is Patricia still – how does he have this job? How did he – keep it last offseason. I still don't get it, especially when the reasoning for firing Jim Caldwell was that nine and seven wasn't acceptable anymore. And I don't even know if Patricia's won nine games since then. Right. Which one of those teams is smart enough to hire Lincoln Riley? That's, that's the question. I mean, I think the uh, theory out there that Jerry Jones was actually doing a one season tank by hiring Mike McCarthy. (laughs) And next year he was going to get Trevor Lawrence and, Lincoln Riley, that's and not that, pay Dak. That would have been amazing, but that is that is a theory, Stephen. But <laughs> I, I don't think that's what we're seeing. But no, Lincoln Riley is not leaving Oklahoma for any of those dumpster fires. Maybe Atlanta, but I don't even think that. Man, because they're cursed. Get to coach in New York City. Coach the Jets. No. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, just—I just, feel like they're along. just to- just toying with people, man. They're just uh, just really, really good. And Lamar Jackson—he's getting really so happy. much better. He's like more confident than I like the throws he's made. I think his arm has gotten stronger. It seems right. like it. Like he and he looks stronger as a person. He is just it's so that Q, It's a QB coach, man. He's got to. Yeah, he's got Josh Harris. That's yeah. that's probably what it is. But yeah, he's he's a ridiculous player, and I think 
the game is continuing to slow down for him. Like there was plays in this game where he was just like toying with Texans pass rushers. Like they were like had him dead to rights and he would just like do a quick little juke and lose him and then throw the ball downfield. He's just getting better in every facet of the game. Every game we see him. Yeah. Uh, So the Ravens beat the Texans 33-16. Jackson 18 for 24, 204 yards. Um, You know, he was – not even as great on the ground as, as he generally is. He ran 16 times for only 54 yards. Uh, the, I mean, the Ravens ran for 230 yards as a team. Um, you know, it's one of those things when you will look at a team and like there's a player who should have done really good things and didn't have to. That's when you know a team is, is just on a different level. And like Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, who really is a, a favorite target of Lamar, has only had one catch and uh three uh targets so you know there's his team is just right now it's just on a different level i mean uh, lamar's completion percentage over expectation i think is second in the league behind russell wilson he's been just a tremendous passer this year you know i mean it's i don't know I sure hope we don't really have to say that anymore uh, because right. that that stereotype should have been obliterated a long time ago, but it feels like it still exists. And he just continues to expel any thought that that that's a, a valid concern. What are you looking for from them next week uh, when they play the Chiefs? I mean, just give me a little preview of, of that game and, what we know so far about these two teams, how much pressure they can get on Mahomes is the one thing I think. I think that's the biggest key for them going forward. I, they had to blitz a lot last year to get it, and I don't know if you could do that against Mahomes. He's just too good right. against it. He was too good last year when they played Baltimore. Like they would send the blitz, and he would know where it was coming from, and he would like fade in the pocket away from it, and then throw a dime downfield. They have to get pressure on him without letting him ex- escape the pocket. I think that's really the key to that matchup. And I um, I think they're going to play again in the playoffs. I think this is like the first right, two, a, two games a, this year. A preview, yeah, for sure. Uh, the Texans. Oh, I mean, poor Deshaun. Poor Deshaun Watson, yeah. Good I mean, Lord. And also, like, we, we rag on Bill O'Brien a lot, but – and this is partly to blame – or he's partly to blame for this, but their defense is just a mess right now. It's – they have a first-year defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver, and he has not done a good job. Or maybe it's the lack of preseason, but I watched the tape from last week against the Chiefs, and I know it's the Chiefs, and they're just a right. terrible offense to play. But, like, they had guys running into each other, leaving people uncovered. And then this week it wasn't much better. There was that fourth down play when the Ravens went to Wildcat, and they just had, like, a gap. They just, like, left a gap, like a three-yard gap in the defensive line. And that's exactly where they ran, and they just ran for a touchdown. It's just a terribly coached game on both sides of the ball. And it seems like everything Deshaun Watson does, it's, like, extremely difficult. Like, every completion he has to work so hard for. Yeah, it's it's rough to watch. I mean, it's because he's such a talented player and he's just being so limited. Um, that defense did get – did sack Lamar four times uh, and JJ Watt had one. I mean, he looked a little bit, I mean, it's been so long since he's really been that dominant player. Uh, also the Ravens, it looks like they lost uh, Tavon Young, their nickelback who 
has mm-hmm. dealt with injuries every year, uh, the past three at least, or past this one and the past two. So they'll have to do some reshuffling in the secondary, which is not something you want to do when you're heading into the week that you have to play Patrick Mahomes. But um, let's let's talk about a couple games. Do some like sort of rapid fire games on uh, focusing on the QBs. I mean, we always talk about the QBs. It's the most important position in sports. We know that uh, the Bucks Panthers. You mentioned already that you didn't think we we knew that this was going to be something of a redemption game for Tom Brady. He was going to have a much easier time than he had last week. And we were going to see him probably make a connection with some of this high, highly touted talent that he joined in Tampa Bay. And that basically happened. Tampa Bay wins 31, 17 and Brady and Mike Evans connected seven times for 104 yards. Uh, Also Leonard Fournette ran 12 times for 103 yards for Tampa Bay. So uh, you know, positive steps for the offense, but overall, what what did you make from what you saw of this game? He threw another pad in, interception. That I think that's three on the season now, and that was the big deal no, with getting Brady. No more interceptions, but apparently that's not that hasn't taken hold yet. And he minus six in CPOE. That was the sixth worst mark of the week. I I mean, I still don't see it yet. I. I know they scored 31 points, but they had a long touchdown run. They had some turnovers from Teddy Bridgewater. I am not convinced by this offense yet. I don't think they're good enough to compete with the Saints. I don't think they're good enough to compete with the Seahawks or any of the other top teams in the NFC. So I need to see it going forward. I think eventually they'll get on the same page, but it might be too late for them to make like a run where they get a, a, a home playoff game. And... You're feeling on Bridgewater. Are you are you coming around to the Bridgewater no. Panthers experiment? No. <laughs> Especially not after seeing what Cam Newton just did. <laughs> are you just, I mean, it, it appears the Panthers are successfully tanking, though. So, well, yeah, that's a, you look at it like that, but they still gave Bridgewater a, an awful lot of money. <laughs> so, but he just doesn't have an NFL arm. Like that's yeah. I don't know whether it's the knee, like if that. You right. know, took away some of the strength. Yeah, but he just doesn't have, like he he does everything else so well. He processes well, but just the arm just isn't there. He's, he, I don't think he he's he should be a, like a spot starter at this point. I think he could start for like like the Bears. He'd be a, a massive improvement, but <laughs> a team that's trying to make the playoffs now. Uh, speaking of noodle arms, um, the Colts and Philip Rivers. Uh, you. <laughs> he uses it so well, though. He knows he's what he's still doing, getting man. it done. He's uh, yeah, and and this week it led to a win. I, I know that this is one team that you watched the film last. You know, everyone was sort of down on the Colts for losing to the Jags in Week One, and you watched it and felt like there was not so much to be concerned about, and that's certainly how it feels now. The Colts. Uh, <laughs> Crushed the Vikings 28 11. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers was good. Uh, you know, they didn't ask him to do too much 19 for 25, 214 yards. Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back, uh, who stepped into the starting role, sort of coming out party 26 carries for 101 yards. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty good workhorse back. The story in this game, I mean, Rivers was good. The Colts get back to what we thought they were, but Kirk Cousins was <laughs> a, like a, a, just atrocious. Like, I mean, one of the worst performances by a quarterback that I can remember. 
Yeah, he was pretty bad. Three, three interceptions. Uh, but I will say this. I don't think the Vikings did him any favors. He actually had a positive CPOE. So wow. he wasn't expected to complete a lot of passes. His expected <laughs> completion percentage was only 58.2. Oh, which, my gosh. Let me sort this. I think it might have been the worst. Uh, and that, all right. I'm looking at the regular season. Let me go to week two. But, yeah, so the offense hasn't done him any favor. Actually, I'm wrong. <laughs> week two, he had a minus 13.2. I was looking at it for the whole season. <laughs> but his expected completion percentage was the worst in the league, 55.5. So the offense didn't do him any favors. He threw some turnovers. Yeah, I think he took a, a safety. Uh, yeah, bad game for Kirk. And I just think that's what happens when play action isn't working. I thought the Colts did a good job of taking that away. And when you do that and you take, you make things harder on Kirk and you take the system, his support system away from him. I mean, this is just who Kirk is. We shouldn't be surprised by this. He's, he's a product of what's around him. The uh, Steelers end up winning over the Broncos. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, it's, it's sort of, he's coming back from an elbow injury. We talked about it last week that he's, it's, it's it's one of those things where like like you're saying he, he's a huge upgrade over the guys they ended up playing in his stead last last year but it's so hard to evaluate right now whether Ben Roethlisberger is anywhere close to who he used to be because he still feels it still feels like he's a little sheltered he's not I mean he's never been mobile right like that's sort right. of the thing about Roethlisberger he's never looked good getting out of the pocket and getting away from people but now it looks he's lumbering even more. And the zip on his throws is not quite there. Like, you know, he made a couple throws where the announcers like, that's just an amazing throw. And it like barely got to a guy who had to turn around to catch it. Uh, You know, I think they're sort of just giving Roethlisberger the benefit of the doubt because he's a Hall of Fame football player that they like as a person. Oh, um, they like him. I don't know if that's that's what's well, getting in the phrase. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, the touchdown throw on the run was like a duck. Was, right, yeah. And the guy had to reach back for it. The the throw to Claypool was a good one. I think it went mm-hmm. for like 84 yards. But I don't – they're not throwing the ball downfield very often. I don't know whether that's a product of the play calling, whether it's a product of Ben Roethlisberger's arm, or whether it's the receiving core. But either way, whatever one it is, this offense I still think is a little too constricted. And it's a little – they're throwing the ball short a lot, and they don't really have a run game right now. So – Ah, uh, there's a lot of pressure on Big Ben to carry this offense. I don't know at this point in his career, especially with his injury track record. I, I don't know if he's capable of doing that like he was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Locke, as we mentioned, went out of this game after I think he only threw five passes. And Jeff no, I'm pretty Christian. sure he played the whole game. <laughs> that, that was definitely Drew Locke. Oh man! But his deep ball was a lot better. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> This is, this is a bit Steven is doing to annoy Denver people on Twitter. So uh, those people have weed, so they'll, they'll probably they'll be fine. They'll, they'll now, I got into an argument. With, I got into an argument with one guy who <laughs> I just kept insisting that it was Drew Locke that he was watching. And he, he, he's calling me <laughs> bad words. He, he's calling me an idiot and wondering how I have the job I have. Uh. He doesn't. He doesn't get your sense of humor, Stephen. No, apparently not. It appears. Um, Jeff Driscoll stepped in. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was sacked six times. So wait, the Steelers had seven sacks in this game. I'm just realizing. Uh, so I guess Pittsburgh defense is 
is okay too. Uh, what did you make of Driscoll if Locke happens to be out for any period of time? Oh, Driscoll's terrible. He, did, he connected <laughs> on some deep balls today, but or some deeper passes. I don't think they were really deep balls, but it was mostly the receivers are really good. The Cortland Sutton's really good and can catch inaccurate passes. But yeah, Drisk, they don't have a chance with Driscoll. Like Drew Locke gives a, he Drew Locke's a better quarterback. I'm not a big fan of Drew Locke, but he's a much better quarterback than Jeff Driscoll. And it was like a big deal in for the Broncos fans that they weren't bringing in a backup, a better backup, yeah, yeah, and like challenging Drew Locke and like John Elway like purposefully did it. And now they're scrambling. I think they're going to need to. They got to sign someone. I don't think you can roll with Drew Locke because they do have a talented team. Like if you make a trade or some trade for Jameis. Oh my gosh! Or Nick Foles. Oh, Nick Foles is a perfect John Elway quarterback. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, there are reports out now. I don't know. I don't know if the USA Today reporters have confirmed any of this, but it looks like it might be a sprained AC joint in Locke's throwing shoulder, which is uh, one of those weird injuries that has a huge window. It's like usually two to eight weeks or something. <laughs> uh, for one to. 15 weeks. Right. Like some guys come back and they can't actually throw the ball. Um, so. Well, that's, that's not a worth, problem for Drew Locke. He only throws it five yards downfield. Worth watching. This is the ultimate small sample size, but I think I looked at Locke's uh, completion percentage over expectation earlier and it was negative 30. He only threw five. <laughs> yeah, he was one for five. five, I think. <laughs> yeah, but that's, uh, that's quite a stat. Um, I'm kind of bitter that we didn't get to watch Drew Locke against the Steelers defense because I think they would have given him some problems. And as as someone who is who is known on Broncos Twitter as a Drew Locke hater, I missed out on some some good tweets. Yeah, yeah, would have would have taught us a lot about what this Denver team is actually capable of on offense. Because they almost won the game, though. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was close, twenty six twenty one, and. Uh, like you said, I mean, there's lots of weapons. I mean, Noah Fan continues to be really good. The second year tight end, Jerry Judy is another guy who got hurt today, so we'll have to see how that goes. But he had four catches for 62 yards. Like you said, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler is now getting involved in the offense. So uh, there's a lot to work with if Locke is able to get back. You um, think John Elway will sign Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I do not think that'll happen. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks that you're known for hating, Josh Allen continues to be really, really, really good as yeah, at, at all the different facets of being a quarterback. Uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the Miami Dolphins today in a, another game that was really actually a pretty good football game, 31-28. Uh, Allen, 24 for 35, 417 yards, four touchdowns. Um, only ran the ball four times for 18 yards, which I think was the most surprising part for me when I was looking over these stats. Him and Stephon Diggs getting along. Eight receptions, 153 yards for the former Viking. Um, turns out having a really good having really good receivers is important for quarterbacks. Is is my takeaway? And it's having my, a good offensive my fire take. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And having a good offensive coordinator, I think Brian Dayball has done an excellent job designing that offense around what Josh Allen does well and what he doesn't do well. And he's played, but like I haven't watched today's game, but last week he looked better outside. Like I said last week, he looked better outside of those like four or five plays where he just, you know, lost his mind. And 
I will. I saw bits of the game on red zone and there were, were a couple like bad throws that I saw, but I mean, you can't, I can't look at that stat line and be like, no, he's still a bad player. Like he's clearly a good football player. I don't know if he's a good quarterback yet, but he's clearly a useful football mm-hmm. player. Right. And the, the bills, you know, the bills are built to, to deal with a quarterback like that. I mean, I have a good enough defense. Uh, why are the Miami Dolphins still playing Ryan? We did. It wasn't even bad Fitzpatrick this week. Uh, he did. He took a couple sacks because he danced around in the pocket like he generally does. He did not throw any interceptions though. Uh, he did make Mike Jacecki his <laughs> primary tar- primary target, the tight end who should who is more of a wide receiver. Uh, and he did have eight catches for 130 yards. But I, I mean, why? Other than if unless Tua's, I mean, everything we've heard is that he's completely healthy. But why not just put Tua in at this point and see and and start growing? I think there was there were some expectations because they signed all those guys in free agency. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you're going to you're probably not going <laughs> to even compete for a wild card spot. Just play the rookie. Like it makes no sense to keep him off the bench. He's not like a guy. And that was like a big selling point for him. It was like he's a smart quarterback. He'd be ready to play from day one if he was healthy. Like just right. put him in and let him take his lumps. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's going to give you at least as good a chance as. Fitzpatrick, who's so up and down, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like with Tua, you you know that he's going to make young QB mistakes, but he needs to get to, uh, you know, the only path is for him to start learning what he can and cannot do and see if he can get consistency that Fitzpatrick never established in his entire right. career. Uh, so it's time to just go. Uh, time to do that. <laughs> it, it certainly feels that way. Uh, the last game that we have to talk I think this is the last game we have to talk about. The Tennessee Titans beat the Jaguars 33-30. Um, Ryan Tannehill threw four TDs. Looks pretty decent. Gardner Minshew also looked okay. Threw two interceptions, but uh, he is sort of dragging the Jags along, uh, finding a way to make – that offense work. I, we were talking before the show and it feels, it feels like Gardner Minshew is he, he is the player that Baker Mayfield should be. Mm-hmm. If Baker Mayfield hadn't had the expectation of being of that, he was the number one pick and he needs to do cool things that number one picks usually do. Like the fact that Gardner is just a dude who was picked later and uh, sort of created his name in the NFL for for stepping in and not caring and just sort of like winging the ball over the field. Like, but he's actually a little bit more controlled than Baker Mayfield is. Yeah. He's a lot. He gets what his limitations are because I don't think he had, we were just talking about expectation. You know, he didn't have the expectation. They had to make a play every, every down. Um, So he's found that groove. Uh, But the Titans, you know, the Titans continue rolling a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't know. Is this, is their formula good enough to i mean where where they are are they going to be in that that group uh, in the AFC i mean they're obviously below the ravens and chiefs right now but are they that second tier in your mind i don't see it <laughs> i like derrick henry's gotten off to a slow start which really isn't surprising considering mm-hmm. the workload he had last year right the defense just got diced up by garner Minshew, although that might not be 
that might not look as bad in a couple of weeks if he continues to do this. I I just can't see them competing with the Chiefs or the Ravens. I know they beat the Ravens last year, but a lot of that had to do just with the general wonkiness of like a one and done playoff. And then DP's right. had this great game plan. He's not there anymore. Derrick Henry just ran all over the Ravens and he's not playing particularly well early on. So I don't see how they compete with either of those two teams. I like to see them play like a team like the Steelers and see how they do. And then you, you can judge them based off that if they're in that next level. But to me, I still think the Colts are the best team in that division. Wow. All right. I want to do a quick round of uh, ask you a couple questions uh, sort of about where we stand in the league. Get your quick thoughts uh, after I've, you know super short sample size for a season that's already weird. So I'm not sure how much any of this means. And like we were saying earlier, you know, with with the expanded playoff, a lot of these percentages that you hear, you know, like, uh, what is it, like 64% of the teams that start 2-0 generally make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, 22% that start 0-2 don't make the, or make it. So all, a lot of the, those will change with, with the different playoff number. But... Uh, in general, you know, we know that teams that are 0 and 2 or 2 and 0 at this point, their trajectory is kind of set in a lot of ways. But I want to know who is the worst 2 and 0 team in your mind? There's... I think it's clearly the Bears. Yeah, without question, not it's even, definitely not the even Bears. doubt. Yeah, no doubt about that. Best 0 and 2 team. Ooh, I'm going to stick with the Eagles. I'm not giving up on the Eagles. It's either the Eagles or the Vikings for me. I'm scrolling through these teams, and yeah, that's an easy answer, actually. I mean, I would throw the Texans in there just because they have Deshaun Watson, but everything else around Deshaun Watson is just a complete mess. So the only teams I have faith in turning it around are the Eagles and Vikings, and I'd give the edge to the Eagles just because they're in a crappier division. Right. Yeah, I think I think their chance is much better than a lot of the other own two teams to, you know, finish eight and eight and p- perhaps win the division because it's that messy. Um, rank for me the one and one teams. All right, I'm gonna go the best one and one team. Who? I'd say the Patriots are the best one and one team. Okay. I'd go number two. I'd say the Cowboys. Right. Ooh, number three is tough. I, I think I'd go with the 49ers despite the injuries. Although that concerns me. And then the Bucks, And then the rest of them are just whatever. Right. Just a guy. The Colts, actually. I'll throw the Colts in there. I think the Colts and Bucks are on. The Colts. The Bucks are a little bit better than the Colts. And then give me your biggest surprises of the year so far. Any, you know, this could oh, be Josh, team, team, Josh player, Allen, whatever. Josh, Josh Allen, Allen being as good as he's been. I know he's played the Jets and the Dolphins and like, a, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I think his turnover luck is going to turn eventually, although he did have the two fumbles in week one. But yeah, Josh Allen, he's looked like a, a completely different player. He's looked a lot better. Uh, so another, another one is the Rams offensive line being good because oh, yeah. I did not see that coming. They didn't add anyone. I don't know why. They just got good again. Where where would you have those two teams in the power ranking 
And where would you have had them prior to the season, and where would they be now? How much have they moved up? The Rams, I'd probably like uh, 12 to 15 range, but now I'd say like 6 to 4. Wow. I think they're probably like the fifth, sixth best team in the league. And then you're talking about the Bills? Is that yeah, the Bills. Yep. Oh, the Bills I had as a top 10 team. I still think – I. I don't think they've moved very much. Honestly, the defense kind of showed some cracks today. Mm-hmm. I know the offense looks better, but like I said, I want to see it against a good team. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with – I think they play a good team next year, week, though, so they're going to get a test. Who do they play? I, I can't remember now. Oh, the Rams. They play the Rams. These two teams play next week. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> We're previewing next week without even realizing it. I mean, I knew that, of course, because I, I have the whole schedule – memorized but um <laughs> yeah i'm picking uh, i'm picking the rams in that game Early pick. You? yeah you're you, you went against the rams this week you thought the eagles would win and i did so now you're now you're on the rams wagon um uh one more game for this week raiders saints uh feels like the saints should be okay we're all going to be watching drew Brees to see if you know how much He's regressed, uh, you know, did not have a promising first start, but he's playing the Raiders. So I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to learn anything about Drew Brees tomorrow. I think he's going to have a big game. I think the Saints, I, I mean, if the Saints are terrible on offense, then we learn something, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on ahead? I know that you are, we, we're experimenting with a new concept for Monday mornings. Uh, uh, we're we're workshopping the name a little bit, but we're, we're, for right now, we're calling it the take dump. We're just we're just going to dump a bunch of takes on you guys, and you can sort through them at your leisure. But what are, what are some of your takes that you're about to drop on people? Uh, I'm going to drop. Uh, let me go to my list of takes. I'm going to drop that the I think the Rams are a Super Bowl contender right now. I don't know if they're capable of winning the Super Bowl, but I think they can make a run to the Super Bowl. Okay. I think that Thursday night was kind of, you know, a false sign of Baker Mayfield turning things around. I don't think it was actually that great. I think it was a good sign for their offense for this year, but I don't think it's a good sign for his development as a player going forward. Uh, I think the Cardinals are, I I already touched on it earlier. I, I don't think they're giving Isaiah a chance. And I mean, I'll say that Anthony Lynn, I I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think I think the Chargers need to move on after this year, honestly. And his performance at the end of that game, he basically gave that game away with his his decision making. Yeah. Those are my takes. That Baker take is spicy. It's gonna it's gonna stir some people. I got up. some clips. I got I actually got a lot of clips. So I got some evidence backing it up. I'll say yeah. that. I don't. Is it a take if it has evidence? I, it's still a take. You can, make, you can make the film say anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're saying there's no such thing as actual evidence. I feel like. Well, yes. Yeah. Well, when you're like for football opinions, yes, I think that's the case. <laughs> uh, what was your uh, what was your scouting report on DK Metcalf before? Before that, that was the big talking point on point on Twitter today. Was the, I know I should have bragged about it. I had him as wide receiver number one, the best receiver in the the draft. And I thought I thought that his route running was a problem, but I, I didn't think it mattered. I when we talked about uh, receivers back when the draft was happening, I said there's two ways for a receiver to get open. They can get open early in the route and like with their release at the at the line of scrimmage, 
or they can get open late in the route, like with their, their route running. He was a guy that couldn't get open late in the route, but he got open at the line of scrimmage. And when you're that big, once you get a step on a player and you have that speed, it's over. And that's what we've seen in, in uh, the NFL. It does help that he's had Russell Wilson just like throwing the perfect passes downfield. Yeah. I'll find some other takes you were wrong about, though. Oh, there's plenty of them out there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> there's, there's a few. Uh, Patrick right, Mahomes is one of them. Yeah, it's uh, that's that one. No one, no one, no one flings that back in your face, though. It's not like it pops up. Every in my time. defense, it wasn't that bad of a take. Like I, I gave the the Chiefs a C. It's not like I gave them an F. <laughs> I mean, the C is average. <laughs> I mean, you know, like this, this is the funniest thing. It's like nobody gets these things right. Like scouts who get paid, you know, presumably more than we do uh, and have more resources than we do. And certainly, uh, you know, go watch games and go to practices and watch, have every film they could ever need. They get it wrong all the time, all the time, all the day. They get it wrong way more than they ever get it right. Uh, so just sort of how it goes. Um Thanks for joining us here at the counter. Uh, find us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Corman. He is at the Steven Ruiz. We will be back on Friday morning with a look ahead at week three. Uh, be sure to catch up with us at, uh, at our site for the win ftw.usa.com. Um, you know, like, like Steven said, he will have some takes tomorrow and then we have a schedule for the week. A, you know, hopefully this the all twenty two film comes out on schedule this week. It's heavily and, dependent on the all twenty two. Yeah, we we generally are trying to dig in on a lot of these things that we sort of flash. You know, we're we're making these quick thoughts analysis on the fly uh, as we go here tonight, and then we settle in for the week and try to actually look into them and figure out what what's reality and and what. You know, football can trick you. It's like the Jamal Adams thing tonight where everybody thought, man, what a monster. And he was actually, he actually got torched. I mean, he's a big reason that, that Cam Newton was able to get the Patriots back into that game was by picking on him. So, uh, that is, that is our goal for the week. So stick with us. And how do you want to end this? I always, I always kick it to you for the last word. Maybe I should kick it to this cricket that's been chirping in my basement <laughs> the whole show. I, mean, I maybe he has something to say. I don't know. He watched games with me down here. So, oh, nice. Uh, I'll I'll end it with this: free Jared Stidham. No, no. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna cut that. The quarterback controversy is back on. He's getting. He would have gotten into the end zone. More Cam. We just need more Cam. Just a little bit, like you said, a little bit more creative play there. Football's better when Cam Newton's playing well. It absolutely, and when someone knows how to use Cam well, Newton well. That's that's the other thing. So, all right, thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports, featuring for the wind Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.